Hallelujah. You may take your seats. Well, we want to welcome all of the KT evangelists and the evangelism teams on the platform tonight. So if you guys can rise and come down and join us on the platform, let's give them a hand as they come tonight. Now, already we've got news in as they've been coming. Francois is really excited, so he's going to be coming to share soon. But we're already in the freezing cold, and it is freezing cold out there tonight. You may have still got your hats on and scarves on because you want to keep warm, but over 10 people have already responded to the Lord tonight outside there in Labra Grove and Shepherd's Bush. So we can give Jesus praise for that. So Francois, come and tell us generally how it was there in Labra Grove and tell us who's sharing tonight as well. Uh, people have led people to the Lord. No, awesome. <laughs> we had so much fun. When you said it was cold tonight, was it? I didn't even realize it was cold. Were you out in your Puma t-shirt? <laughs> no, I had a jump on. But, um, guys, it was amazing. Seriously, Easter is not about the bunny and eggs. It's about Jesus and the cross and his resurrection, you know. And uh, the, the gospel was preached tonight with the anointing that breaks the yoke. I kid you not, it was unbelievable. We've had f uh, five of the team members coming up tonight and preached over, over the mic for the, like, for the first time. Three for the first time and then me for the second time and Brett, our anointed preacher, you know, as he does. Um, it, it was Cordelia is going to share her testimony about how, you know, she stepped out tonight in faith and, and shared her testimony for the first time. And then we've got Nana that led a few. Uh, okay, bring, bring them forward, those who are sharing tonight. Let's give them a hand as they come forward. Thank you, guys. So, Cordelia, before we get in, you preached for the first time tonight. I mean, you've been out there with Brett's team for about a year, but this is the first time you stepped out and preached tonight. And so share with us, how, 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 is, how, did it, how was it the first time you stepped out, and how, how did it feel when you stepped out? Normally, um, I find speaking in front of people, I find it absolutely terrifying. So Francois this evening said, oh, does anybody want to um, preach the gospel or share their testimony? And I, I put my hands up and I thought, oh, no, I regret what I've done. But I thought, yeah, this is time to step out of my comfort zone. And so um, when the queue came, I just came. Um, I, I thank especially Francois and Brett who prayed for me and who really, really encouraged me and said, like, sis, go for it, go for it, sis. And so I took the, took the microphone and, and just preached loud, oops, <laughs> loud and clear over Ladbroke Grove, just shared my testimony, shared the wonderful stuff that Jesus had done um, in my life. And, and it was brilliant. I, I did want to give the mic back. And <laughs> I can't wait till next week to So you've had a breakthrough tonight through tonight yes that's awesome to see god really moving on the team already elder Cole, come and tell us tonight you you've led someone to christ tonight yep tell us about it what happened okay so we led two people to christ the first one um he knew about god vaguely he said his family members are christians so we asked him if he wanted to have a personal um relationship with christ and first he said no, and he walked away. So we were standing around, and he came back to his friend. And then we asked him again if he wanted to pray. And he said he did want it to. So he... Something obviously happened to him for the first time. The second time, he, he started to think about what you were telling him about Jesus. And then the second time, he came back, and he was interested to pray. Yes. And then a second um, gentleman, he... Um, knew God as well. He said he goes to church, um, uh, Catholic church and um, Baptist church, 
And then again as well, we just ask if he wanted to have a personal relationship with Christ. And he said yes, and then he prayed as well. Right, so this guy went to church, but he wasn't, he wasn't born again. He'd not made a commitment to Christ. No, he wasn't born again. And right there on the spot, you pray for him to receive Jesus. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Let's give Jesus praise for that. People as well. Uh, now, gentlemen, I haven't seen you up here before. What's your name? Nana. Nana. So Francis told me you, you led some people to the Lord tonight. Tell us who they were. Um, the, there was a gentleman. I think the one that struck me most was this uh, gentleman. His name was Mark. He said he's a Buddhist. And um, I was trying to talk to him. I was trying to walk away. And I asked him the question, if you die today as a Buddhist, do you know where you will go? And he said, oh, yeah. I said, no, you don't. He said, how do I know? I said, because I was in the occult. And I got saved. And when I got saved, no church could even come near me. It was Katie here that was able to handle what I was going through. And the way I got saved, I gave him my testimony because he um, started talking to me about Buddhism. I told him where I was before, the so-called uh, master there who said he was above Christ, who is actually at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen, Amen to that. At the feet of Jesus Christ, he used to take us and take us above Buddha. And you are worshiping Buddha. Buddha is a demon. When I got, when I, when I, the way I got saved, I died. I had pulmonary embolism for the second time. How did, how did he take that you called Buddha a demon? I, I, said, I said to him, no disrespect to you, but Buddha is a representative of Satan. And I'm telling you this because I know this. And I know this because I have been to your temple. And I described the temple for him in the, in the astral travel. He said, yes, that's correct. So he believed me. And I said, the reason why I'm here today is for people like you. Because I knew, I, didn't, I thought I was saved. I wasn't saved until I, Christ came when I died. The so-called uh, masters that say they are above Christ, when I, when I called their names, they were, running, they were running away. I called Jesus, and Jesus came out from the clouds and said, you called my name. I was shaking. I said, he said, take my hand. I said, Lord, he said, take my hand. As soon as I took his hand, a lot of things happened. And we went like so far up because he's a Buddhist. He, he understands what I'm talking about, about the soul travel. We went so far up where all these demons, as soon, Jesus said they should come to where he is if they say they are the Lord and Masters. And as soon as he points his hand like this, they start going up in smoke, including your Buddha. No one could stand where he was. So he said, really? I said, yes, this is what happened to me. So how did he respond to your testimony? So he gave me his number. He, he's happy to come to Katie on Friday and, and see this is your life program and to take it from there. That's awesome. So, he's, so you're going to be meeting him this week? Yes, I'll meet him. I, I, I'll meet him here. I said I'll wait for him outside. What's his name? His name is Mark. Mark. So we'll pray for Mark that he comes this Friday. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus praise for that. Thank you. Simon. Simon was down there in Shepherd's Bush. So you're out there. We kind of got Elvis to come in and not Elvis Presley, but Elvis, who used to be around leading worship in KT. He was coming his hand with the worship tonight. And uh, just tell us, how was it out on the streets? You said eight people had responded down in Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, thanks for the glory of God. God has given us the grace, so we give all the glory to him. And uh, there was such an enthusiasm, although it was uh, cold, but everyone was eager to win souls. And uh, yourself, yourself were here, there with us as well. And Elvis was there. We had a worship, so we had a fantastic atmosphere. 
and we were engaging with the Muslim people. There was a young Muslim also who gave his life. I think quite a number of people gave their life. There were eight. And uh, we have in here also was as uh, Lola uh, and Elizabeth to give testimony because uh, we're working as a team there, so we look after each other. You said Muslims received Jesus tonight. Tell us one story of one Muslim that gave his life to the Lord. There was a, a young Muslim there and uh, intentively listening uh, the message, and uh, eventually he, you know, he responded and uh, literally. Uh, he How did he respond? When you say he responded, what did he what, what did he respond to? Uh, he, he responded the, the 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 full message of the the gospel. You know, the the gospel was plain clear to him. So he gave his life to the Lord and uh, prayed for. He gave his name, so his details. So definitely, yes. And he received Jesus. You, you prayed with him. A Muslim boy he prayed for, to receive Jesus on the street. Is that right? Correct. Yes. He, he's a young. Uh, he's doing uh, as he's at school. He's doing A levels. Yes. Uh, he gave his life to the Lord. Yes. Yes. That, that is major. When a Muslim prays to receive Jesus unashamedly on the street, and in fact, one of our heart and passions is is to reach out to the Muslim world. And God. Reaching has been given us from people from Algeria, Iraq, this Muslim man getting saved today. And God, it seems to be saving Muslims on a regular basis. That's a major thing that God has given us fruit from the Islamic world here today. Now, Lola, just come. Let's give Lola a hand. Okay. And the other, other lady. Yep. So, Lola, tell us you are out there in the freezing cold in the shepherd's bush. Tell us the people that you re received Jesus. I paired up with Elizabeth and about three people gave their lives to Christ. Um, the first guy, he, um, I told him Jesus loves you. He was like, yeah, yeah, I know. And then I asked him about his faith. He said he was born a Christian. And I explained to him he needs to actually make the decision himself. It can't be made for him by his family. And then he seemed really curious, wanted to know more about Christ. So we spoke to him, we explained different things, he had some questions. And then he accepted Christ. We led him in a prayer. Well, just like that. So he didn't have any objections whatsoever. You sh he said he was born a Christian. You said, you know, you're not born a Christian. You have to make a decision. How did the conversation go? He was really excited. There was something about him. He was just really excited. He kept saying, yes, I know Jesus loves me. And I said, but, um, you know, have you actually made a decision? Have you accepted him personally? And he said, no, because he's, he was born a Christian. His mother had made a decision for him. And I explained, you have to actually... Um, confess with your mouth. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and confess with your mouth that he's Lord and accept him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And he said, okay. And he asked how to do it and then we led him in a prayer and he said the prayer with us and he invited Christ into his heart. Well, I mean, there's many people out there tonight who say they're a Christian. I mean, you could have not shared the gospel with him. I mean, what made you share the gospel with him? Because if he said he's a Christian, surely he's a Christian. You know, he's, he's got a church background. So what made you push the issue? Yeah, um, I think uh, well, he he was really excited. We asked him, he was going to go. Initially, when he said um, he, he knew Jesus loved him, we we're going to get let him go. But then we called him back and said, okay, tell us some more about this, you know, about your relationship with God. And that's when it came out that he didn't actually, he hadn't actually accepted Christ. And tell us one more, one more testimony. This, this is your first time. This is literally your first time. So tell us first, before you tell us a testimony about someone getting saved, why did you want to go out tonight? Um, as a cell leader, I just felt in order to, you lead by example. 
you know, if you tell your cell, cell members to go out and evangelize and you haven't done it, you know, how, what, what do you have to say about that? And I thought I needed to take up the challenge and actually be out there leading by example. And that's one of the reasons that I went out. And um, as Lola was saying, what the, one of the, I think the crucial thing when people say, you know, I, I, I believe, I believe is if you died today and you go to, where would you go? And I think that is always the question that, that finds them where they are because they say, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I hope I go to heaven. And those are one of some of the questions we were asking them tonight. And most of them said, well, I hope I go to heaven. I'm not sure I'll go to heaven. And then that's when we present the gospel to them. And uh, there were two young, young lads, yes, Tony and Luke. And they said they were atheists and they were very strong about it. And we said, okay, um, how about God? Where do, what do you believe about God? They said, well, we don't think there is a God. We don't, there's no need for a God. And so I said, really, um, why do you say that? She said, well, we, we, we evolved. You know, so I said, well, Darwin did say that we've all come from fish, but um, the God of creation. So we told them about the God of creation, about relationship. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. And as we began to tell them about the God of creation and having a relationship with God, you could see them melting. You could see them beginning to change and soften. And at the end of it, we said, would you like us to pray with you? And they said, yes. And then we led the two of them to the Lord. And, and um, so praise God for that. That's awesome. Atheists returning to Jesus Christ. Well, let's give Jesus praise tonight for the things that he has done. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you, Bruce. Wonderful, and you picked a lovely warm day for your first venture out on the streets. Isn't that great? I think it was so cold outside, I think they all, saw, they all felt your fire and came round to get warmed. Do you know, that's the power of the gospel, isn't it? I mean, within a few minutes, two avowed atheists. You know, what, what, what's that? That goes beyond reason. I mean, we can reason the gospel. Our faith is a reasonable faith. It's the most reasonable faith. Uh, that there is in the world because it's true and we're not frightened of reasoning. But when the gospel, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. It, it's, it's almost so simple, we can miss it, can't we? That sharing the gospel is the power. So when someone is sharing on the streets, uh, at work, or in college, or in the neighborhood, when you're sharing your testimony, like we heard, when you're sharing about Jesus, power is being released. And so two atheists can have their hearts warmed. God can bypass your mind and save your heart. Because salvation isn't of the mind, it's with the heart that you believe. Isn't that right? And then the mind can catch up. I remember when I got saved, it took me months for my mind to catch up. And so that that is... Uh, that's wonderful. And be encouraged as we continue. I mean, we started going out on the streets on Sundays. We've done it before, of course, um, right in the middle of winter. That's just a sort of KT thing to do, isn't it? Let's start a new outreach on Sunday. When sh shall we start it? Freezing cold January. That's what we'll do. But look at the harvest already. You just wait till it gets into the summer. And the good news is, is that Christian, who is our evangelism and missions director, he is going to be organizing training in a few months' time, Evangelism Explosion, their new course. And we're going to train up some teachers, and then on Sundays we're going to have a course. And this course will teach you how to build bridges and how to share the gospel with anybody, family members, neighbors, 
college, school, workplace. And, and by the time you've gone through that course, you'll know what to do, where to say it. You'll know how to get the gospel out because sometimes people just, just don't know how to get to that place where they say, will you make a decision? And we're going to be helping you with that. So there's a lot of exciting things to come as we seek to win this city with the gospel. Amen. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8 and verse 56. I want to speak about the divine name of God today. Yahweh, or the old-fashioned way of saying it is Jehovah. I want to explain the power that's in that name. And um, just as you're turning, I, I want to remind you that Christianity, as we were hearing, is not about rules and regulations. It's not about moral laws. You know, some people say, oh, well, the good thing about religion, the good thing about Christian religion and Islam religion is at least they have morals. But Christianity isn't about morals, as good as morals are. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, Jesus' message in the Sermon on the Mount is this, is that true religion is all about the heart. And the Sermon on the Mount is so powerful because he is attacking Phariseeism. And he's saying, you need a righteousness that exceeds those of the Pharisees. And then he starts on the Pharisees. And he says things, not just in the Sermon on the Mount, but he says things like, you know, you're so holy on the outside. You look so clean and holy and moral on the outside. You're like a whitewashed tomb. But on the inside, you're dead men's bones. He says, oh, so what? You don't commit physical adultery, but it's in your heart. So what? You don't commit physical murder, but anger's in your heart. He says, you do your giving so that everybody else can see what a holy religious person you are. You do your praying so that everybody can see what a religious person you are. But true religion is what happens in the heart. True religion is when you go and shut the door and the only person that sees what you're doing is your father. True religion is when you give and your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing, but only your father knows. True religion is trusting in the Father. True religion is not living your religious life before people. True religion is found in the secret place. Who you really are in God is where you are when nobody else is around but the Father. And so the Sermon on the Mount teaches us that we should live our lives in the light of the Father and our heart with the Father. That's what, that's what Christianity is all about, as we've heard. It is a relationship. And when we think about Abraham, God revealed himself to Abraham, who was a pagan. And Abraham didn't know anything about laws or regulation or churchianity or how to look Christian on the outside. But God just came to him and said, I've got a promise for you to live by. I've got a land for you to journey. Do you believe me? And Abraham said, I don't really know who you are, but I believe you. And he just believed. Just like those people out in the streets, they're walking down. They didn't expect to get saved or to give their lives to the Lord. And within a few moments, they don't know perhaps a lot about what's happening, but they just hear the offer and they say, I'll take that. And God reckons it to them as righteousness. And Abraham, Romans 4 says, we walk in the footsteps of Abraham, the footsteps of his faith. The Christian life is a journey. 
a journey. God gives us promises. God leads us. And we get to know him and who God is, not just by reading the Bible, but by experiencing the God of the Bible. I'm going to come back to this. That so often in the Western world, we know all about God in our head. We have more bookshops, more books, more CDs, magazines, teaching, Christian television. And we sit there and we learn about God in our heads. But God isn't to be learnt about primarily in our heads. He's to be experienced in our hearts and our lives. And so I'm going to speak today about how we learn from God. It's not theoretical or theological, as good as those things are in their secondary place. But you learn who God is by following him, by walking a path like Abraham, by living the promises of God and learning to trust him. And here in John, we see uh, Jesus speaking about Abraham, who God revealed himself to. And he says in verse 56 of John 8, your father rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad, your father Abraham. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Interesting, isn't it? Jesus was 30 years old, roughly. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old. Could it be that the things that he had to go through gave him premature aging? Maybe he had gray hair at a younger age. It is possible, you know. And of course, in those days, there was no boots to go to. To uh, Oh, look. Oh, I think I need to go tomorrow. But it's interesting how they, 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 you know, they said you're not 50 years old. Interesting. But anyway, they're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They took up stones because he had blasphemed in their eyes. Because what he said, when he says, before Abraham was, I am, that makes no sense in the original language of Greek that John's gospel was written in. It makes no grammatical sense. What is Jesus doing? He is saying that he is the God that revealed himself to Abraham and to Moses, to Isaac and to Jacob. And they understood he was claiming to be that God because they wanted to stone him for it. Now, when Jesus speaks about being the I am, and right through John's gospel, you see again and again this statement, ego I my, the Greek is, I am, I am, as a divine statement. I don't know if, you, if in your Bibles, in my Bibles, it's in capital letters, is it, in yours? I am, to show the force of that Greek. Well, let's go back to where the I am began. In your Bibles, if you could turn to Exodus chapter 3, 6. You know, every one of us has a beginning of our journey with God. Let me explain again. The Christian life is a journey. God meets you and you begin a journey and there are promises, a promised land if you like, that God wants you to journey to. It is not a cycle of going nowhere. Do you remember that Abraham's promise was a land? And God said to Abraham, I want you to get up. I want you to leave your family. I want to leave your nation. I want you to go to the land of Canaan where I'm going to show you. And also I promise you that you will have an heir 
His name will be Isaac, and he will be born of Sarah. And that was all God basically said to him. And that was enough because as Abraham journeyed towards the land and journeyed towards the fulfillment of the promise of Isaac, as he did that, that journey was his discovery of God. That very journey, that's where he made his mistakes. That's where his trust issues were exposed when he thought, oh, God's not going to do it. So he had his Ishmael. Twice he gave his wife up as his sister, whom God had said, in Sarah, you're going to have your child. He fainted. He, he, he was learning to trust God and to discover who God was on his journey. And this is the same with all of us as Christians. God comes to us and saves us. And at that moment, we're like Abraham. We hear the gospel. Maybe like those, some of those on the street, we hear the gospel. We don't know much about Christianity. We don't know much, but we know enough to say, I believe you. And God says, it's reckoned to you as righteousness. Your sins are forgiven you. Your journey begins. And here in um, Exodus chapter 3, we see the beginning of Moses' journey. Now, the journey is not about moral codes and regulations. The Pharisees weren't on any journey. The journey is about walking with God in obedience and trust. That's what the journey is about. I mean, even uh, the Exodus generation that are about to be delivered, they were given a promise, weren't they? The law generation were given a promise. They were given the promised land of milk and honey. Did they travel their journey into the land? No, they didn't. The Joshua generation did. The Moses generation was given the, the promise, come to the promised land. Did they journey to the promised land? No. What did they do? They went around and around in the wilderness with the same experiences coming round. They never, they never matured. They never conquered. They never had new experiences. Their journey was just around and around and around. God doesn't want you just to journey around and around, to never mature in your Christian life, to be basically the same in Christ two years down the line as you are now because you're just going around and around. That's what the law does. That's what outward Christianity does. That's what Pharisaism does. When we live our, when we just live a Christian external morality, but we're not walking on a journey with God. My question to you is, are you journeying with God? Have you moved forward? You may not have leaped forward, but every day are you taking steps forward on the journey with God? The journey with God among, amongst us here at Kensington Temple, which is your church. The promises that God has given to you. The things that God has called you to do. Are you pursuing them? Are you going to enter into the land of promise? Or, or is every week just the same in your faith? Is every year just cycles around the same types of Christian experience. And that's what they had in the, uh, in, in the wilderness. And God was with them. And God gave them manna from heaven every day. He gave them water from the rock, which was Christ. He gave them a cloud to shield them from the blazing sun. He gave them a fire in the evening to warm them. But that's all they ever had. They're on a bread and water diet. But God wants you to taste some honey and to drink some milk. In order to do that, you have to journey. 
And so here, like every single person since Abraham, since from Abraham, Isaac had to start his journey. Jacob had to start his journey. Joseph had a journey, had a promise that everybody would bow down to him. And his journey was a long journey, wasn't it? With many trials. But he didn't give up. He got on his journey and he found the place where he was meant to be, ruling Egypt under Pharaoh. So let's look at Moses. So here in uh, um, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, Moses comes to the burning bush. And God says, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. You see, he didn't have a name yet. He was just known to be the God of his, of his father. Abraham, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And here comes the promise that was meant to define both Moses and that generation's walk and learning experience with God. So I have come down to deliver you from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring you up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, etc. Now, he keeps talking about this. And then, then verse 10, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. That's the beginning of his journey. That you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But Moses, but, and, and he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial to all generations. So we see, like every life with God, there is a beginning of the journey. And there is a promise, a pathway that God wants us to travel. And he comes to Moses and he says, my promise and my destiny for you and your generation is that I'm going to deliver you from Egypt and you're going to go to the promised land. And I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Moses says, I can't go alone. And God says, I'm with you on your journey. God is with us every step of our journey. And so Moses says, well, what's your name? Because I only know you as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I know you by what you did. I know you by how you walked the journey with Abraham. That's how I know what you're like. I know what you did for Isaac. I know how you walked with Jacob. I know how you walked with Joseph. I know about how you dealt with them. But do you have a name? And this is where we come 
to God's response in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, this phrase, I am who I am, uh, commonly today, we use the word Yahweh. Whenever you use the word Yahweh, you're saying, I am that I am who I am. Or old-fashioned Jehovah, I am who I am. But if you translate this a little bit more te technically, it becomes even more powerful. And we had Dr. Michael Eaton with us on Wednesday evening and also through the uh, Bible school. I managed to sit in on some of the things that he was saying. And he is one of the top Hebrew scholars in the world. And so he has absolutely translated this I am who I am or Yahweh. And this, this is his translation. If you're making notes, it's worth writing this down. He says this, that when God said, then in verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Well, actually, this is the translation. And God said to Moses, watch what is going on now. And that is what I am. Watch what is going on now. And that is what I am. In other words, you want to know my name, you know my name by how I act. And you are going to know who I am by what I am going to do in delivering your people. So God says to Moses, you want to know my name? This is my name. Watch what is going on now. And that is what I am. And then he says, secondly, and he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. So he shortens it to I am. And then the third time he says, I am, or Yahweh, or a form of that, is in verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord your God of your fathers. Now, if you have a Bible and you're looking at it, does the Lord God there have capital letters? Whenever you read the phrase in capital letters in the Bible, Lord God, it means Yahweh. But the Jewish people... Um, held the name Yahweh, I am who I am, in such honor that they never spoke the word. So whenever they came to the passage in reading in the Old Testament, Yahweh, or I am who I am, or watch what is going on now and that is what I am, they wouldn't say Yahweh, what would they say? Adonai, Lord. So this word, so there where it says, Moreover, God said to Moses, it says this, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, He is of your fathers, the God of Abraham. So the first time it's I am who I am. The second time it's I am. And then where it says Lord God, it doesn't say Lord God at all. It says He is, which is the word Yahweh. So this is the name that God revealed Himself to Moses. And it's the very name that we read earlier on in John chapter 8, didn't we? Verse 56, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. This phrase, I am who I am, or watch what is going on now, and that is what I am, is found 4,000 times in the Old Testament. And that means that when we're talking about knowing God, we're not talking about Knowing about God, we're talking about experiencing God. We're not talking about just studying the God in the Bible. Head knowledge 
is not a Christian walk. And there's nothing wrong with learning. But I'm telling you, God appeared to them and said, you are going to discover me by your walk with me. There's plenty of theologians that understand the word and understand the Bible, but have no experience of the one that calls himself. Watch what is going on now, and that is what I am, because nothing is going on in their lives. They're they're reading the Bible, studying the Bible, but they're not on a journey. They're standing still, or they're going round in circles. They're not on a journey. And you can't know the Lord unless you're walking on the journey of faith. Romans 4, we follow in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham. In the footsteps. It's a journey. You can't just spectate. You can't know God by sitting back and spectating. You can't know God by simply studying about God in the Bible. He didn't say, I am in the Bible for you to study. He said, do you want to know me? You have to experience me. That's why in the Western world, we have all these books, all these CDs, all these teaching, and all this head knowledge, knowing about God, and yet there's people in the persecuted world that barely barely know that there's a trinity, or haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit, like some that we visited in um, northern Africa, haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit, and yet know more about God because they're ready to die for God, because they're walking with God. This is why some of the greatest saints that I've met in my life didn't have much head knowledge about God, but they'd walked with him. They knew him through the trials they'd gone through, through the promises that God had given them, through seeing the victories. They walked with him. Christianity is not an intellectual pursuit. It is a journey of experience. And this is why people would say, well, Where is the God of the past? And it's funny because we can read about the experience that God has in the past with people. I mean, Moses, he had heard God say, I am the God of Abraham. And Moses thinking, well, I know what happened there. I am the God of Isaac. Well, I know the story. I I am, you know, I am the God of Jacob. Yeah, I know that story. But Moses was like, but what about the God of Moses? That story is yet to be written. So I, would, I can say this, well, I've heard of the God of Abraham. I've heard of the God of Jacob. I've heard of the God of Isaac. I've heard of the God of St. Paul. I've heard of the God of Peter. I've heard of the God of Stephen. I've heard of the God of Esther. But what about the God of Bruce? What about the God of Bruce? And one of the things where we need to move is we need to experience God for ourselves. We can't live off somebody else's revelation. And so Moses, he was like beginning. And you can see the fear in him already, can't you? Why? Because at the beginning of our journey with God, we've got trust issues. It's like, well, how, you know, Moses is like, okay, you want to send me to Pharaoh? I don't know if I can do that. It's all right for you to send me to Pharaoh, but on whose authority? And how do I know if I go to Pharaoh, it'll be successful? And God says, I'll go with you. All right, well, what does that mean? You'll go with me? You've never, I, I've, I've, 
I've never gone with you before. I don't know what that means. What if you change your mind halfway there? Trust issues. Christianity is all about trust issues. That's what it's about. Do you know that? Trust issues. Do you trust him or don't you trust him? And the only way you can find out is in the cold face of real life. You can't be an armchair Christian. You can't live in an ivory theological tower. You've got to get out there in the real world and start believing God and seeing if he's going to be with you or not. And we know Moses had his trust issues, don't we? It's like, I want you to speak to Pharaoh. And he goes, oh, I'm not speaking. Uh, Aaron, send Aaron. And God says, what? No, I'm telling you, I'll be with you. Go and speak to Pharaoh. No, I can't speak. No, send Aaron. And God says, who do you think gave you a mouth in the first place? What is it? Trust issues. Trust issues. I don't want to go on that journey. And God says, and then Moses just doesn't trust God. No, no, send Aaron. And then I love it. The anger of the Lord burned against Moses. You can just see him like burning anger. But he stops and he says, all right, send Aaron. The patience of God. Isn't it amazing? And so Moses had to learn on his journey. He had to grow. Abraham had to learn on his journey. The disciples, they had to learn on their journey, didn't they? They were on a journey. The 12 disciples were on a journey with Jesus himself. And on that journey, when they journeyed with him, they had trust issues. They had unbelief. Uh, When they got to the journey of the cross, they all ran away. But the journey wasn't finished. Peter came, uh, Jesus came back to Peter and restored him to get him back on his journey. And then Peter journeyed on. Paul got radically saved on, on the road to Damascus. It was the beginning of his journey. And he began to journey and trust God and go through things with God. God is with us. And you begin to learn about God because you begin to experience the God of the Bible. A, the God of the Bible not experienced. If you don't experience the God of the Bible, you're not even walking as a Christian. Because God didn't say, I'm this name, I'm that name. God didn't say, I am the Ten Commandments. God didn't say, I am a moral law that you must follow. God didn't say, I am a philosophical position. God didn't say any of that. God said, I am what you need me to be when you need me to be it. That's another way of translating it. That's his name. It's not Philip or Graham or Peter. It's his name is, I will be what you need, need me, I will be what you need me to be on your journey when you need it. And if you believe that name, then you will learn about God and you will begin to deal with your trust issues You might faint at the promises of God. You might have that trust issue and and, and just, you know, have your Ishmael or something like that. Or be full of fear and say, I can't do it. I mean, go out and preach the gospel to all nations and someone goes out for the first time out on the streets. And I'm sure that was, you know, that was a challenge, wasn't it? And I'm sure you were saying to yourself, are you with me, God? How's this going to be? And I'm sure you've got other people to pray for you. But you, you didn't have to do that, but you stepped out on your journey this afternoon. And then by the end of this afternoon, you're on the platform talking about how God was with you on your journey. 
as he promised that you would make disciples, as you stepped out, you found that you weren't alone, but he was, uh, he, he was the I am. He was what you needed him to be when you needed him to be it when you stepped out on the streets. Isn't that true? It's, a, it's an illustration. And that's the same with all of our life. Now, he said, I am who I am. In other words, I will be what you need me to be on your journey when you need it. He didn't say, I will be what you greed me to be. We don't determine who he is to us. He determines it. We trust him. He, he didn't say, I will be to you what you don't need me to be. Sometimes we want God to be something or to do something. And he says, it's not necessary because that's not part of your journey right now. I'll give you what you need every step of your journey. I'm not going to give you what you don't need. There's times I've said to the Lord, Lord, would you do this for me? Would you anoint me like this? Would you do the other? And looking back on it, he said, no. Why? Because you don't need me to be that to you right now at this stage in your journey. See what the name is? I will be what you need me to be every step of the journey and nothing else. So imagine those in the wilderness. What are they learning about the great I am in the wilderness? Well, what do they need him to be? <laughs> nothing but bread and water. And so Yahweh, this name that God has and that he's speaking about, and he showed them, he revealed himself and who he was and his name through what he did in the Exodus. He showed them that he was rescuer. He showed them that he was giving the blood from, which, from under which they could shelter the Passover. He showed them that he was the signs and wonder man. He showed them that he was the Passover. He showed them that he was deliverer. He showed them that he was provider. And as they walked with him, he was showing his character and his nature to them all of the time. But what did they do? They didn't believe him, did they? The Moses generation, they didn't trust him. They never got over their trust issues. So he delivers them from Egypt with the wealth of Egypt. And then they come to the Red Sea and they're like, oh, he's not to be trusted. Look, we can't get over that Red Sea. That's it. We, we're finished. Thank you, God, for taking us out of Egypt. To, we've got, we either drown or get killed. Thank you, God. And God says, just trust me. I didn't take you here to leave you there. And so they go through the Red Sea. They come out the other side. Are all their trust issues solved? No. Well, there's no water. We're all going to die. Oh, there's some water. Ah, it's bitter. What sort of God would bring us out? to this place, and even give us water that's bitter. And God's saying, don't you trust me? And then it's like, we've got no food. Moaning, moaning every step of the way. Where's Moses gone? He's been up on that, that mountain nearly 40, year, 40 days. We've had enough. Um, let's make ourselves a new God. I mean, can you see it? They were the worst generation ever. And they refused to journey with God. And so God said, all right. You don't want to journey with me. I'll give you something else. I'll give you rules and regulations. I'll give you rules and regulations. I'll, I'll keep you in order by the threat of punishment. And you can forget about walking with me in your heart. 
you can just do this, do the other, or you'll be punished. And, and you can have external rules and regulations. That's the choice in our lives. We can become religious Christians where we just go through the external motions. We know when to put our hands in the air. We know what we should say. We know what, we, what the impression that we want to give to those around us. But there's no heart faith. There's no journeying with God. There's no going through trials. There's no victories. There's no believing God and trusting God and stepping out and saying, God, are you really with me? I believe that you are and I'm going to step forward. Hebrews chapter 3, verse, well, Hebrews 3 talks about the wilderness generation and says the Holy Spirit spoke to them, but they, they departed from the living God. You see, the phrase, the living God, is so important in the Bible. Do you know that? And it goes along with this, um, this name, I am what you'll need me to be on your journey. I am who I am. Because whenever you see the phrase, the living God, in the Bible, it means something very powerful. For example, the problem with the armies of Israel when they faced Goliath is they didn't believe that God was living. They might have believed in him mentally. They might have believed in God religiously, ceremonially. But when Goliath turns up and says, who wants a fight? Well, they didn't believe in him. And then along comes young David. And his journey started a long time ago. But his journey so far had been with a bunch of sheep. Not, the journey is not always exciting and fantastic. Even Moses spent many, many years, didn't he? Having been told what he was going to do, he spent many, many years looking after sheep. And so sometimes when we look at the journey, we think, what's happening? God is still working. God is supernaturally working in our lives, but not always sensationally. Supernatural and sensational are not always exactly the same. And so when we're talking about David, David turns up and goes, what's going on here? Goliath. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Living God. In other words, he was saying, I believe God's here. I believe God's living. I believe that God isn't just the God of the past fathers, Abraham, I. I believe God is the God of David. I believe God is the God that's going to slay Goliath. God is with us, my friends. Let's take Goliath. And they laughed at him because they didn't believe in the living God. What about the revelation that came to Peter in Matthew 16, 16? Jesus said, who do people say I am? Oh, some say you're a prophet. Uh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Who do you say I am? And Peter had a revelation from the Father. And he said, you are the Christ. Matthew 16, 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Living God. Not just God. Living God. Living God. Alive, with them, acting. You see, the living God is the God that acts now. Not just in the past. There's many men, great men and women who have acted very powerfully in past history, isn't it? But they're dead. They're not living. They're past heroes, past heroines. They're not here today. They're not living. But Jesus is the son of the living God. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. 
And we have to live our lives believing that the, the Bible, the, the God that we read about is with us on our journey. And we're going to face the same similar journeys as we find all the, all the men and women in the Bible do. We have a starting point. We have promises. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us all the faith's hall of fame, doesn't it? Right starting there with Abel and all these people. Noah. Noah had a beginning. He had a journey. It was to build the ark. And they all had the journey with God. Promises that God gave them. A future that God spoke to them about. And they all followed the journey and made their mistakes. David made his mistakes on his journey, didn't he? Bathsheba, he made his mistakes, but he journeyed, he learnt, he grew. Your Christian life is a journey. It has direction. And God meets you and shows you who he is on the journey. If you don't journey, you'll never know God. You might know about him you're reading somebody else's journey, and that's what we modern Christians do. Read everybody else's journey, do talk about everybody else's journey, but never make the journey ourselves. We're in the wilderness going round and round. And Hebrews chapter 3, I won't turn to it because I don't want to dwell on this much longer, I want to minister. In Hebrews 3, you see, it says, a warning to the Hebrews because they were about to stop their journey. They were saying, it's too difficult, let's go back. We got saved as Jewish people and there's a new covenant and all, but it's getting too difficult. The journey's too hard. Let's turn around and let's go back. That's what they were going to do. They were going to end up like the children of Israel in the wilderness. And in Hebrews 3, it says that the Spirit spoke to them and told them to listen to him and not to harden their hearts as in the day of the wilderness. But to hear what the Spirit was saying to them. You see, a soft heart will listen to God and walk with Him. And then there's a warning, a danger. It says, don't depart from the living God. It says, be careful, brethren, that there's not in any of you an unbelieving heart so that you depart from the living God. See, an unbelieving heart does not connect with the living God. But a believing heart connects with the living God. And God is with us on our journey. Moses said, how do I know? Will you be with me? I'll be with you. Later on, when Moses says, this is where you're going to go. And and Moses says, we will not go unless you are with us. Because what's the point? He said, I am with you, Moses. When will you learn? I'm with you on the journey. And so as I come into a close, Jesus promises that he will be with us on our journey of obedience in the Christian life. He will be with us. And the beautiful thing about the I am sayings, there are seven I am sayings about how Jesus will be with us as we journey with him, walking in the footsteps of Abraham, walking by faith in the promises of God. And and Jesus said, when I'm with you, I am. What does that mean? I will be what you need me to be on your journey. And then what are the seven I am sayings? I am the good shepherd. I will be your shepherd on your journey. I will lead you. I will protect you. I will feed you. I will provide for you. I will be the shepherd. I am the good shepherd on your journey, but only on your journey. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life on your journey. I'll show you the paths. I'll lead you step by step. Trust me. I'm the truth. I'll dispel your confusion and explain what's really going on. I'll, I'll be there for you. I'll clarify there for you. I am the truth. Not I know about the truth. I am the truth. My presence is the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. Not I know about a torch that I can shine, but I am that light. I will illuminate you. I will give you revelation. I will show you what to do and when to do it at the right time. Not before, at the right time. You get what you need at the point of your journey. Some of us are wanting to have everything at the end of our journey. We've not even begun our journey. I am the door, the access to God, the Father, and the kingdom of heaven and the blessings of heaven. I am the bread of life. I am your provision. I am the resurrection and the life. Not I can resurrect you, but I am the resurrection. I am, I am, I am. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he has given us a promise. He is saying, I have a journey and a destiny for you. It starts with being saved. And then that is day one, moment one. And then you will take your journey like Abraham took his journey and Isaac took his journey and Jacob took his journey and Joseph his journey and Moses his journey and Peter his journey and Paul his journey. All of them will journey with God and it's on the journey that you discover who God is. On the journey. If you don't journey with God, you don't know God. And you'll not increase your knowledge. As I've said, read this all you like. If you don't experience the God of this Bible on a journey, this will just be head knowledge. Let's pray. Could it be that there's some here today that are ready to start their journey with God? They're saying, how do I start? If the ministry team could come on the platform. How do I start? Well, you start by recognizing that God is who he said he is and that he died on the cross for you, for your sins. Because you can't walk with God if God is your enemy. You can't walk with an enemy. You can't trust an enemy. And your sin has put you at enmity with God. We have all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us need a savior. All of us need forgiveness of sins. All of us need to be restored. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me. But if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, then your sins will be forgiven you. You will be accepted as a child of God. And then your path and journey of discovery begins. You won't walk by religious rules and regulations. You'll walk by trusting God, the God of the word. And the God of the Bible will make himself appear to you every step of the way. And you will increasingly say, this God that's in this Bible, he is to me who he is. I know him and I experience him. With every head bowed, if you're ready to take that first step on your journey, just lift your hand right now. Take that act of faith. Let that be your first 
step by lifting your hand. Yeah, see at the balcony. Anybody else? This is your first step. This is the step that will save you. This is the step that will free you. This is the step, yes, that will take you. Your first step, the most important step, not into a religion, but into a relationship of trust with Jesus himself. And Jesus will walk with you. Any more hands? Lift them now. And Jesus will walk with you and be these things to you. And though it be easy or difficult, through valleys, over mountains, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will take you to your destiny. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Those of you that lifted your hands, in a few moments' time when we pray for people, we've got a gift that we want to give to you. Make sure that you're well equipped for the next few steps of your journey. But right now we have our ministry team who are quickly going to say some things that are on God's heart for us here tonight. Because we're going to open up the floor for ministry. Even if, even if your condition or your need isn't mentioned, you're more than welcome to come for prayer for anything. But let's just keep hushed right now for a few seconds to see and to hear what God wants to do in some of our particular lives. Who's going to start? Nice and quickly because we're running out of time. Just lift your hand if you've got something so I can see. Just That's right. Come forward and stand. If you've got something, just stand. Step out from where you are and just stand in the line here. One line. That's right. Step out. If you haven't got anything yet, step back so I can see the difference. All right. Listen. God wants to touch. God is with you on your journey tonight. And these are some of the things that he wants to be to you now. The word I've got is for somebody who um, is coming to God, but almost begging. You just want the crumbs that are falling from the table. But he wants to remind you, this is for a Christian. You're you are my child. Come to me. I am your father. I love you. It's almost like you're doubting that he's got good things for you. He is your father. Come to him boldly. He loves you and receive what he has for you. That speaks especially to you. We want to pray for you. Yeah, similar to that, but someone that feels like that God's really angry with them and it's, it's just got that, that feeling of condemnation that God's angry with them. And God wants to say to you that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Would you help? Someone who thinks God's condemning them or angry with them, God is not. He wants to touch your life tonight. It's actually quite similar to that as well. Um, there's a believer here say, asking God, do you love me? Questioning God's love. And God says, I love you. As a father, I love you. I got a word for women who have suffered miscarriages, unable to conceive, and had abnormal pregnancy. God wants to heal you and restore your life. So miscarriages, abnormal pregnancies, unable to conceive, any of those types of issues to do with pregnancy. If you want prayer, we will pray for you. Um, similar to uh, what she's saying, also as it's a kind of a cloud, uh, it's a, a dark cloud. And I see the ray of um, light, which is uh, the life of Jesus Christ standing through this cloud and it's dispelling the, um, the cloud and also disintegrating it. And this is, I believe this is for um, those who have um, gone through traumatic experience um, during um, childbirth. It can be for a woman who has given it, um, gone through a traumatic experience and also for the child through that also who have also received that. Okay, I see the pool of Bethesda and Jesus standing by the pool speaking to the man and he asking him, do you want to be made well? man didn't answer him straight yes or a no he said i can't come to the pool nobody can put me there so he's looking to people for his healing but jesus is right here 
all you do need to do is step out and counter him and receive your healing. That is an invitation by the Lord to come and receive healing, whatever that healing is you need tonight. Let someone pray for you. Um, I saw two pictures. One was um, a big wave that was coming, and then I saw somebody standing on a surfboard and um, riding on this wave. Um, but then it seemed like the wave was getting bigger, and the person feared to fall off. And um, I felt that God is saying, um, it depends on your focus if you fall off um, this surfboard or not. So um, focus straight, focus on Jesus. And um, the other picture was a, um, a camel loaded with um, even um, more food on the top of the back of the camel. And I felt that was for somebody who's carrying, trying to um, um, get the living water inside and then carrying this water through the whole week and maybe two weeks, and um, but not going back to the source in order to get new fresh living water. And um, I feel that God is um, saying to the person, go daily, go on a regular basis, come to me, come to the source and I want to give you living water and also for this food that this is um, spiritual nourishing and um, God is saying come daily to me don't store your nourishing and walk on with it um, come daily to me and I want to nourish you that's right give us your daily bread yeah, I see someone struggling with addiction Sorry, with, with addiction addiction to pornography and to lies You've been struggling with this and you think you can do it on your own, but God is saying his power is here to deliver you tonight. Addiction, addiction to sin and to pornography. If you struggle with, with addiction for, or, or pornography or you want prayer, if you're a man, one of the men will pray for you. If you're a woman, one of the women will pray for you during this next period. Who, el who else? Just come forward so I can, we've got two more. Is it quickly? I just want to know who's, yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah, three? Have you got one? Yep, yeah, just sign. Okay, then then we'll have ministry. Before tonight's message, uh, the word that was in my spirit was lonely, and as Bruce was speaking about, he's with you with the journey. So if anybody really wants to respond and saying, you know, I've been going on the journey, but I've just lost connection with God, and I felt lonely. I felt like I was doing it by myself. And you want to respond to what was preached, and, and you feel like that, or you know somebody who's really come to you, who pray together for sure. Uh, um, unforgiveness. I don't, the Lord saying there's many people that are walking with unforgiveness and it's like a burden and you won't be able to move forward unless you forgive but it's like a trap because some people don't actually realize that they're trapped so they're gonna need to search their heart to see if there's any unforgiveness in them. Um, a few of us kind of sense that they, God want to um, heal um, people this evening and one of them uh, we had was um, a ringing in the ears that like, I think it was tennis tendicitis tendicitis tinnitus um, was ringing in the in the ear and it was um, like it was a blockage as well and and also um, with um, sciatica nerve um, in, in, in the left hand side or wherever it was and there was also a sense of um, people with um, skin um, issues as well and, uh, um, sensitivities or, or uh, uh, allergies skin allergies pray for you tonight god wants to touch you yeah i strongly believe that god is sending out an invitation tonight an invitation to and he's pointing at the ocean at the vast ocean and it's inviting you to come to him to the to the broad 
the broadness of his of his will for you because what you're in right now what you're in today is not all there is to life this is not all what there is to your calling and god is just just pointing out this invitation is saying there's more for you than what you're experiencing right now and come with me and i will show you all possibilities in life it was a word about intimidation um when Gideon was confronted and called a mighty man, he said that he was the lowest of his tribe and his tribe was the lowest and he felt intimidated by the enemy, but he was told to go in his strength and that God would be with him. So if you feel that you're intimidated by a situation, you think it's too much to deal with for you, God is with you. We want to pray for you. Thank you, ministry team. Take your places. Well, we're going to open up the floor now for ministry. If any of those words specifically apply to you, come we'll pray for you if there's something that hasn't been highlighted from the platform we'll still pray for you with that do feel free to join us as well as we take this time just to minister to the lord but also feel free to leave if you need to go we've got a great easter ahead of us especially tuesday evening at westminster chapel 6 30 for our grace for the city let's all stand together and let's release the ministry of the holy spirit amongst us tonight